And now for something completely different. Forget everything you've been told by others before. Get ready for the real deal. The full story. Real talk about money, markets, life. Now, it's The Real Investment Show, presented by RIA Advisors. All I'm going to say is we're here. Welcome to Financial Fitness Friday. King cakes are just cinnamon rolls and drag. <clears throat> I've got some advice for most of you, especially on the YouTube channel. The baby is not edible. Don't swallow the baby. Don't chew the baby. Don't eat the baby. Take Extract the baby. How come they don't make the baby out of, like, marshmallow? That would make things... Wouldn't that be better? I'm all full of ideas today. This is also Groundhog Day. And I do remember when Mr. de Blasio over in New York City killed uh, Staten Island Chuck. He picked up the groundhog and dropped him and killed him on the spot. Uh, much like what he did to the city. But we're so glad you're here. My goodness, Danny. My goodness. That's all I'm going to say about Meta and Amazon Overnight, I mean, uh, the the after hours on these things. I think I think Meta is up sixteen percent. Amazon's up close to seven. Yep. Exxon did really well, up a couple of percent in the pre market. So it looks like a Nasdaq day for show. Nothing from Danny on that. You know I've what? Darn you. You said it all. It's just so Groundhog Day, as a reformed New Yorker. Yeah. What what are your expectations here? Not for the groundhog not to die. I really not like to groundhog die. To, That's all we're going for. I really for. would like for uh, Mayor Adams not to drop the groundhog. Uh that would be um I'm always hoping for more winter, unlike Brent Clamp. So um that's just the way it goes. But Meta had this revenue jump, twenty five percent in a quarter. Uh, I thought that number was really strong. I didn't expect that. Um, online ad uh, market continues to rebound quite nicely. Net income triples. And guess what? They're growing up. The little baby's growing up. They're going to pay a dividend. Oh, man. How do you like that? A dividend of 50 cents a share on March 26th. Of course, cash equivalents came out to 65.4 billion bucks at the end of 2023, up from close to 41 billion dollars. So, you're going to get a dividend. That's nice, you know, paying the shareholders. Well, I think these tech companies are now starting to play responsibly. Like the market loves when they let thousands of workers go, restructure. You know, they're hearing all the words that they used to hear from other companies. So. As these companies mature and they're getting in loads of cash, uh, I think from on from Meta's perspective, that it's a really good idea for them to pay the dividend. So this these shares are up seventeen percent in pre market trade right now, and I don't think uh, I don't think uh, I think the Fed handles everything right because if you think that the um, the Fed should lower rates. In Brooklyn, we would call you a chooch. Um, that means you're as uh, smart as a banana um, because there's no reason to lower 
rates, except if you're just addicted to rate cuts. Now, labor market's cracking a little bit, so maybe by the summer, maybe by the fall, but I think the Fed handled it, and we had that routing, Danny, that one day. Everybody took the punch, went down, and then came right back up. So when it's dropped again, I mean, we saw even after this, we've seen yields drop considerably. Well, yields. I'm talking about the market itself, but yeah, yeah, yeah. but talk about yields a little bit. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, we're seeing the ten-year back at about four point eight eight. You know, a little bit lower yesterday, and you know, we're gonna. We suspect this will bounce around, especially if we begin to see more auctions coming out here in the following weeks. Yeah, but yeah, I, I, it doesn't make a ton of sense, and you know, CME Fed Watch. Just this week went from 48% rate hike to 39%, or not rate hike, excuse me, rate cuts in March. So, you know, this is all over the place. And I think that, you know, a lot of people are saying, you know, you can't take what they're saying verbatim. No. And and you can't. I mean, this is the same guy who was not going to hike interest rates. Inflation's transitory. Mm -hmm. And things could change quickly. Absolutely. And and that's one thing we do have to be mindful of is that this can change. We have a long time, six weeks before our next Fed meeting. I, and a lot of data is going to come out in between here. Absolutely. And I mean, we got data this morning. Right? We got non-farm payrolls. We got average hourly earnings. You know, I think UPS um, with their numbers, revenue numbers might have opened eyes a little bit on the labor market. But I also will say it's probably a UPS issue. But I think you have to take that and carry it forward and say to yourself that, I think once the labor market cracks and companies start to see it's okay to let people go, then you see some of this labor hoarding become like Elsa. Let it go. Let it go. If they just let them go. You know, I think you're going to start to see people do that. And then I think once that happens, you get households finally waking up to the fact that maybe my job isn't as secure as I thought it was and spending pulls back. And Mike said this best. It's all about labor, Mike Leibowitz. And I, I absolutely agree that this, this spending, yeah, there's a lot of cash in the COVID commercials I see on TV. Uh, even though every time I pay taxes, I feel like I want to vomit. But I, I still think that it's labor. And I think the Fed's going to watch labor, right? So we're seeing uh, claims start to pick up. I think if the Fed moves, it's because they're seeing something in labor that they don't like. So well, but they're going to continue to move the goalpost. I mean, we mm. saw just in December the verbiage was different, the rhetoric was different than what it even was this week. Yeah. So, you know, that's the difficult part about the expectations from the Fed is that they may tell you one thing today, and in six weeks that may not matter. You know, right? We were just right. trying to get inflation lower. We were on the right track. We don't envision any more rate hikes. Um, and, you know, we, we envisioned three to four rate cuts in 2024. And that changed a tad bit. Not a ton, but it did change enough. It did. Because now they're, they're back on that 2% inflation. And, and I do understand. I don't think he wants to become Alan Greenspan. Listen, if he navigates this soft landing, they might put a statue up for him. Yeah. I mean, eventually somebody will take it down because they're offended. But so, someone will put up a statue of power because... We haven't really seen one of those in a very long time, and they, they are very scarce, like the dodo. So if he manages to do whatever that heck of soft landing is, then I do think that he might be uh, replacing you know, some of the more 
stoic. Prominent. Yeah. Like, oh my gosh, see what Powell did? He would come out of that transitory thing looking, smelling like roses. That's what I smell like all the time. Well, they'll, they'll, forget about, so, they'll forget about what he did previously. That's the kicker. Well, yes, absolutely. Markets have, actually, everybody seems to have a very short memory. So it's still about the Magnificent Seven or the Sexy Six, because Tesla's down about 25% this year. So Yoda, you never put baby in the corner, but we have put Elon Musk in the corner. So listen, we're going to talk about a lot of things, but many retirees are considered returning to work. I wrote a piece about this three years ago, calling it the great unretirement. What will be your second act? Well, for some people, third, fourth, fifth, Brent, 12th, 15th, I, we've lost count. It's radio, people. It's radio. That's all I have to say. We'll be right back. Daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. Nothing sinks a marriage quicker than money issues. This Valentine's Day, promise you'll respect your lover's credit, communicate about your money, and share together our first candid coffee for 2024. Five money habits of unhappy couples. Saturday, February 24th, Richard Rosso and Danny Ratliff will have money tips to help revive your financial harmony. Register now at realinvestmentadvice.com. Five money habits of unhappy couples. Candid coffee with Ratliff and Rosso. Realinvestmentadvice.com. The Real Investment Show. Brent puts that thing up there, and now I want cinnamon rolls. Who doesn't want a cinnamon roll right now? So. And that's strictly against your diet. It is, but man. It's Friday. Live a little. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to do this great can of coffee because we have communications. Danny and I deal with a lot of married couples. Actually, there's a uh, new study out as the CFP board <coughs> takes the... Uh, Hint from RIA Advisors as we've been talking about health and wealth, the connect, financial wellness. I wrote a piece about this five years ago, how important it is and how we all need to step up as advisors. It's going to become, Danny, for the Certified Financial Planning Board, a big initiative. And it talks about how CFP's advice can improve a marriage, ironically. And that is based on, I think, what a good advisor does is help couples speak talk to each other. We're not marriage counselors, but we are financial marriage counselors in a way. And I am proud to say I have broken up more relationships than uh, I have yet to take credit for. Um, well, this is like pre-marriage. Pre-marriage. Yeah. Like, that guy's not for you. Look at that credit score. No. No, look at the daddy's. No. So we're going to talk about five money habits of unhappy couples and also give tips for what happy couples do Saturday, February 24th, 8 a.m., Candid Coffee. Danny will be dressed as Cupid. You'll have his little... Will I? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yep. 
he really would like to sling an arrow at me right now, and it has nothing to do with love. Um, but we'll have a couple of, maybe some more other guys on. We may have Jonathan McCarty. Jonathan is uh, a young, young man genius, CFA, CFP, ICUP. I mean, he's got everything. So we are, he's going to be on this. He just got newly married. So let's see how he's handling things. I don't want to break up his marriage, but if I have to, we'll do it. Um, sorry, Jonathan. Um, so we're going to talk about that because I think it's important. When we had our summit, Danny, I had an interesting conversation with a woman who is having an issue with, in some ways, love, but communication about trustees, mm-hmm. son and a daughter, see, young, young, young attorney, young accountants, but that one was just not as good with money. And she didn't want a corporate trustee. And I said, well, and she goes, well, her daughter just is going to have a job in accounting and she's got a great degree. And I'm like, I don't understand why you think your daughter can't handle it. But the, all these reservations she has, she wants to put them all in the estate documents and not communicate to the children. In mm. other words, I don't think she wants to do that. I think that she was headed that way because it's highly uncomfortable to have conversations with people you love. Well, about and, certain things. And I said, you know what? You have children who are trustees in training. That's right. Watch what they do. I think you might set the bar a little bit too high because what you're telling me, your kids seem great. Um, so, but I said, if you don't all talk about it, aside the estate planning documents, it's the same thing for relationships. How many times have we seen families that talk openly to their children about money? And the spouses are very communicative, communicative, communicative. I just did a Biden um, between uh, between the children and the parents. Like in other words, that open communication circle. How important is it? Oh, it's extremely important. I mean, I can't explain the importance of it. It's it's because it's tough to put a value on it. And it I think is. that it's so often overlooked because we're all busy. Things, you know, it's it's tough enough to sit down with your significant but other. Not to interrupt you, Danny, but you're just bringing up something something for us so important. You can't put a value on it because when you're talking about money, you always put values on things. Mm-hmm. You put dollars and connect. But this is this is like you can't wrap your arms around how important this is within the money uh, communication. But go ahead. Well, but but I think kids need a mentor. They need somebody that they can look up to, and they need to have the understandings of you know what have been your pitfalls personally what have you gone through that you know you would want your children to know and it may be embarrassing you may have made a bad investment you may have spent money frivolously you may have done things and put money on credit cards but they need to understand hey look i've been here i've done this here's what i would do differently here's what i would pray and hope that you don't ever have to go through i made a big mistake Uh, but also share the successes and I think that so often we're hesitant to share these with kids. And you know, number one, I think it's it, you have to show some vulnerability financially, um, yep. especially when you're talking about the things that didn't go right. But everybody has something you can look back at and think, oh, man, I wish I'd have done this differently. And so I think that that's so important to communicate. And, and I've always said this, that the most successful families, and we're talking, you know, monetarily, but also from a you know, kind of, you know, the, the health is wealth aspect rich, but it's also the healthy relationships too. Yes. It is so much better when there's better communication. Now I have heard, and mm-hmm. I know there's, I've had people who've listened 
to our estate planning um, webinar, and I've gotten emails, and they're like, man, I wouldn't talk to my, my parents about this. It went terrible. Yeah. And, and listen, it's not easy. And, and that's oh, the reason no. why you had this conversation the other day, because it's not. And so often we may get no. poor advice. And everybody's going to be a little bit different as far as how you need to handle this with family. But the communication aspect has to start somewhere. It does. And if you're putting this in documents and you pass and the kids are like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe, you know, my mother didn't didn't trust me or there's going to be some type of resentment. Just because I used the word chooch, my parents gave the, the trustee to Danny responsibility. Danny, you know what? Why are you so much better than me? In other words, it has nothing to do with that. And if the parents don't communicate it or share, you know, sometimes you got to be honest with your kids. I mean, I hate to say it, but, you know, we coddle them. And sometimes, you know what? You're just not as good with money. I'm sorry. Um, This is not your brother's decision. This is my decision. Don't take it out on him. Let's talk about it. Can you be this, you know, so again, I understand it's so uncomfortable to do these things. But you might be ruining relationships way far beyond the grave. Well, and along think of this, with your legacy. It, this may upset a child. Yes. If you have that conversation with them right now. I see it. How many times have you seen it already? Oh, now? often. But it could be a big wake-up call, too. Yeah. And it may oh, be one of the have... things that kind of like, whoa, wait, you think I don't do this? Let me tell you. Right. That might turn out to be, wait a minute, you may, you're misunderstanding some things. Or, or it may increase. It might help, right? You it, it may right. help, and they say, okay, you know what? You're right. I do need to get a better handle on this. And, and I, I I like the aspect of getting them on as co-trustees as they're getting older and they're maturing yeah. and having them go through the process with the trustee. And at some point, being old enough, mature enough to take that over. But, you know, it's, it's not right for everybody. Everybody has situations, and, you know, we all have somebody in the family who we know that regardless yeah. of the situation, they're probably not going to be able to handle money. And a trust can be an excellent tool to protect assets in that and protect the child from themselves. A few months ago, I had this conversation and the parent had the conversation with a son who would not be good doing this. It was going to be their daughter. He was, the son was grateful and relieved. He says, you're right. You're right, mom. I, I, dad, I don't, I'm not really, I would not handle this well. I think it'd be, I think it's great that, uh, you know, so he may sister. actually be mature beyond his years, just in yeah. You know, he's like recognizing you know that she deserves. You know, and so you know, uh, I know she'll do the right thing for me. So, so she goes. I didn't expect that. I said, "See, see, you were delightfully surprised." But you can also be delightfully surprised the opposite it, way too. So just be I, aware. I mean, we're we're telling you guys all this stuff because we've seen it, we've lived it, we have either done it ourselves or yes. have a lot of experience with people who have, and it is not always roses. No. And speaking of roses, though, Punxsutawney Phil says early spring. Boy, they had a that gobbler's knob. They were trying to pull him out of that hole. It was like pulling me out of the house to go see the Barbie movie. I mean, he did not want to come out. But he out did it. So you're saying you saw the Barbie movie? No, no. Uh, Rosso won. Mr. Phil, zero, because they pulled him out of his hole. But he says early spring. And I'm glad he wasn't dropped like de Blasio. Well, he's in Pennsylvania, not New York. Well, he still could be dropped. If Rosso had seen the Barbie movie, we'd have six more weeks of pink. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. 
torn about that Barbie movie because I do like Margot Robbie, but I don't know. It's tough. It's six, tough. six more weeks of Margot. <laughs> now uh, he's going to go watch it. You see what you've just done? No, I'm not. <laughs> Unless there's a zombie in it that takes a bite out of her shoulder. He's going to come in really next week. His hair is going to be blonde. We have a pink streak right pink down streak the front in my there. hair. Yeah. Gosh. Mm. So we were we around the time of the pandemic, a little bit after, we talked about um you know, do people go back to work? First of all, if you're sixty to sixty five, which is based on this survey from nationwide, you're still working. Forget about the one-third of retirees between 60 and 65 who are thinking returning to work. Growth in the, uh, the cohort of ages 75 and up, that is skyrocketing. So this is a survey they did in January. Survey found half of those individuals they surveyed are motivated to go back to work because they are afraid of what? Running out of money, Right. Their biggest threat to retirement, one is inflation. That was 90%. We're not talking about the rate of change of inflation. We're talking about the bucket full of inflation you're already, you're already drowning in. Social Security cuts 84%. Medicare benefit cuts 83%. Very valid concerns. And we're going to talk about many retirees considering returning to work. What's the second act? And does it always have to be about money? Can it be something more? Could be. We get back. Thank you, Punxsutawney Phil, for not being dropped. The Real Investment Advice blog. It's required reading for the informed investor. Catch it today at realinvestmentadvice.com. I have a better idea for Groundhog's Day. You do it at Bucky's with a beaver. You hear him, Mr. Applin? So you get the guy dressed as the Bucky Beaver, and if he walks into a bathroom that's dirty, you get six more months of winter. Six months. more months? Man. Months, because you never, have a, you never have a dirty bathroom at Bucky's. Man, that's cold. Yeah. <laughs> so if you walk, he walks in there, and he comes out with toilet paper on his back, on his bottom paw. <laughs> six more months of winter. For those of you out there that don't know what a Bucky's is, you will at How some point. I mean, they're starting them? to spread their... They're everywhere in yeah. Tennessee. I spoke to someone who listens to the show in Tennessee, and after saying, how dare you, I'm so jealous of you, based on where they live, they said, that Bucky's is mobbed. Is there's a Tennessee. Know? There's one in Tennessee. Yeah. Yeah. That's the one they're, that they're talking about. It's Severville or Severville or how do, you, how do you pronounce that? Severville. Severville. Yeah. My I goodness. I was told by somebody it's, it's Se- Severville. Severville. I, I, I don't know. Sever, Sever. 
I'll Let's leave call it up the to whole you thing off. But they are always mobbed. I don't know. Bucky's has got the formula. Maybe so you we do should do a, a, a candid coffee at Bucky's. No, no. I'm not. I, you know what? I say yes. I'm not going into Bucky's anymore. <laughs> what? Hey, what? Okay. I am not going. Bye, guys. Where I'm off the show. No, I'm serious. Last time I went in, it took me 15 minutes to get gas. It took me another 45 minutes to get in and out of there. Absolutely not. That's the beauty it took me of over an hour. No, I want to get in and get out. I don't want to screw no, around. That's not what Bucky's and is for. And I don't for. like people that much. I don't want to be around 100 people or 1,000 people that I don't know. I walk into Bucky's at 1 o'clock. I don't leave I love till people, 3. Not that many people. Good night. Well, oh if, my God. if you're in a hurry to get gas on your trip, don't stop at Bucky's. Yeah, no. Go to Chevron or something. Yeah, do. No. Bucky's is an experience. I cannot understand. Not a and it's stop. gotten to be I an unpleasant a- one. You're like a pinball trying to just walk to the restroom in there and go grab a soda or water. I mean, it's oh, crazy. I love it. There's some weekends I, I just... I am so shocked that you love that. I am so weak because I don't <laughs> I care. I mean, from the man who doesn't want to come out of his dungeon. I don't care about the people. I just love the place. Well, there's just too many people. That's the I problem. just ignore them like I do most people. I go in there. <laughs> there's some weekends I go in there for like an hour and a half. Uh, same, you go, where are you going? I'm going to Bucky's. <laughs> for what? I don't know. <laughs> I'll find something. Because? Well, I'll take the kids in, and, you know, it's you can't get anything in there for a decent I price I never anymore. walk Everything out of Bucky's without so spending less than 80 bucks. I, it's just not good. Yeah. Oh, Dad, we need I this. don't want to buy, so JP goes, I don't want to buy fudge every time I get gas. There's a joke in there somewhere. <laughs> I've just got to figure it out. Don't and think about that one too Somebody said about the baby should be a sweet tart. And yeah. I'm like, that in the king cake. Yeah. I'm like, that's a great idea. Who put that in there? You all are crazy on that YouTube channel. Um, if you want to be financially responsible, just stay away from Bucky's. <laughs> I, 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 you know, he's going to be doing the show alone. Or I'm hey. going to come in with my Bucky's shirt. Hey, it's, it's gotten too big for his You know, bridges. now I know what I'm going to get him for Christmas. A Bucky's basket. He's going to love that. There's no way he's not going to eat a beaver nugget. I'm sorry. It's, he may not like going through the experience, but once he gets the food in front of him, he's eating it. Listen, I'll, I'll, when I have to, I will go. But I, if I can avoid it from here on out, I'm going to avoid it. The jerky bar is worth the stop. The jerky bar? I mean, even their barbecue is good. You would think know. the show is sponsored by Bucky's. Why aren't we sponsored by Bucky's? I'm pretty sure they don't need us. <laughs> That's, we need them more than they need us. Do they deliver? Um, no. No online. I would what it used to the be. day Bucky's delivers and the dudes in the beaver outfit, I'm calling. <laughs> it's just going to happen. All right. So, yes, I would work at Bucky's if I were 65. Well, they've got great benefits. They've got great benefits and great salaries. They pay well. They pay well. If they were publicly traded, <laughs> it, would, it would be a problem. Um, so, this is a great survey. Because you do have a lot of older per- people returning to work because older is relative. Okay. You're 60 to 65. You're probably still working in your career, but the people who do retire early find out that, especially if they're not of Medicare age and they're not taking Social Security, it really could be a tough go. So, nationwide, when they surveyed these thousand consumers, 60 to 65, of them were retired. Actually, to me, that sounds like a pretty, I I would think it would have been closer to 20%. 
So here's what he is. And this is the beauty of a financial plan. Because if they come to Danny and us, Danny and me, or us in general, they wouldn't have done this. Because the survey found that respondents still working, they underestimate their living expenses and other factors compared to others who are retired. So those still working expect to spend 42% of their income on food, housing, and other basic expenses. Retirees spend roughly 53%. 77% of the working 60 to 65-year-olds say they expect to be comfortable in retirement, while only 68% of current retirees feel that way. The average age of retirement was 60, with an average age of expected retirement of 67, which sort of makes sense if I can have my Medicare and I can take my Social Security at full retirement age. Um, 36% of retirees said they received less in Social Security benefits than they expected. This all screams for people that need to actually put a financial plan together and understand their situation, Danny. And yet most said they will not ask an advisor for help. And frankly, who can blame them? Because you probably feel that, one, you're going to get sold something you don't need. Two, you're going to get terrible advice about Social Security. So I totally get it. But that 37% of 60 to 65-year-olds surveyed get information from a financial advisor. Others rely on the Internet. Oh, gosh. Friends and family and resources from their employer sponsor plan, whatever those are. I think that's what's so difficult when we're relying on so much different information. You know, one, yeah. how do you vet it? Yeah. Two, just because it's good for your neighbor, your loved one, it may not be good for you. And that's where I think getting an unbiased opinion can really help. Now, also, I think, Rich, a lot of people don't want to talk to an advisor for planning purposes because they don't want to know if they're it's, not sufficiently they, funded. They don't want to be aware. Yeah, they're or, afraid of that. Like going yeah, to the doctor, right? Correct. Like, oh, I don't want to know. They, they, don't wanna, they don't want to be aware of it. Mm-hmm. Or I've had people tell me, like, I don't want you to tell me how much I can spend. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, shoot, you're telling me what your expenses are. and We're, we're trying to back into it. Um, <laughs> I could give you some suggestions. Yeah. But people don't want somebody looking over their shoulder sometimes. And I get it. Because, number one, it, it, it is personal. Mm-hmm. You know, finances, as much as, you know, many people just... Throw, throw money around. Yeah. It is extremely personal. And I think that that extra set of eyes can be invaluable as well. But I also understand you know people's hesitancy towards that, which is why only 37% use somebody. Right. And those are the people that are probably in the group that are not retired yet. <laughs> and, well, uh, but also how many people need an advisor? You look at how many people have trouble making ends meet. How many people, Social Security is the largest portion I, of their I, When I retirement cut this commercial income. about if you're just doing stocks and bonds, it's your layer in the seven-layer cake. Most advisors equate wealth management with stocks and bonds. That's it. And that's a shame. And that's how they're incented. Mm-hmm. But it's about holistic planning. It's about looking at the full person, right? And how holistic planning now is going to connect to your wellness outside of your finances. So we try to look at you as a whole person, not just that your wallet's in your pocket and you're going to pay us because we only get paid by you. 
So we need to know things and be responsible for things that other advisors would find uncomfortable. I call them the financial dust bunnies. We don't want to clean them out. We go in there with the Swiffer man. Social Security, Medicare, taxes and retirement, things that matter to you. Because stocks and bonds are fine. But to me, Danny, I will tell you, that's all like chocolate icing on the cake. I find it fun. I love to do investing. I like to help people with it. I love being on the calls with Lance and Mike, and we talk, We all have calls every, every day. Uh, I just That's always been something I've loved. Mm-hmm. But I realize as time goes on and we help people, it's, it's just one-dimensional. You've got to do all these other things to help people make good financial decisions and help them to keep as much money as possible in retirement. So your financial planner, if they're holistic, they're not trying to tell you what to do. They might help you tweak things. They may help you to wait. You know, when we do our retirement boot camps, right lane classes, we talk about just just working an additional three months is like exponentially adding more money to your retirement account for years based on studies. Working a little bit longer, especially to get to these milestones like Medicare and full, a, full retirement age from Social Security are so important because then how are you going to bridge the gap? But I want to talk about work from another perspective for older Americans when we get back. We'll see you on the other side. news you can use delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com so some people some older americans go back to work to do something very important contribute, remain socially vital, um, talk to other people. Men have a terrible time when they retire, not to stereotype this, but they do have a terrible time getting out there or have hobbies. I see more men struggle with retirement than women. I do too. I do too. Women seem to have a whole array of things to do, networks, people, hobbies, even if even working women do. They seem to just t- have a tendency to be more social. Men um, don't, and that's not healthy. So they have to be self-aware and then make the decision. So I have had clients that have done that. And not for the money, although the money psychologically helps a lot. Oh, man. Right? It's like I got extra money to do certain things for my grandkids. I don't have to stress out. You know, even though I may have enough money, I still stress. 
right? If I own just stocks and bonds and I'm taking a withdrawal rate, I'm stressing because it's not a fixed amount as much as everybody tells you, okay? You don't take a fixed amount or a fixed percentage out of variable assets. It doesn't work. That needs to change. There has to be guardrails. It needs to be changes as you, as you move on. Guaranteed income and Social Security, that's different, okay? So the point I'm making is some people that like the additional dollars coming in just for fun stuff and going out for dinner one maybe a little bit more often with their spouses or taking their grandkids on extra trips that they wouldn't have done. But more important than that is the social engagement and being around people. Yeah. And I think that is, and, and, and keeping so engaged, so important. I just visited with somebody a couple days ago. They have visited, I believe he said over 200 hours at Habitat for Humanity over the last oh, wow. year. I'm like, man, that's impressive. That's that awesome. Is. Going once or twice a week, getting in front of people, doing something that you know keeps you engaged and out there. I think that is mm-hmm. awesome. Mm-hmm. And you're, you're helping. Yeah. So I, mean, I think there's so many different ways that you can give back. It may be you know, contributing through work. Remaining social through you know, and, charitable activities. And to your point, Danny, I think there's a lot of older workers, and I'm talking like 75 plus, believe it or not, even. They don't care about titles, jobs. They're doing something no. they want to do. Like what, like you said, like they're contributing their time. But, oh, not that, oh, I was an accountant in a prior life, so that's the only thing that I can do. I can't work in a retail store. That's below me. They don't look at it that way. It's like, I've been there, done that. This is a new experience for me. I find it exciting, right? Um, Engaging with people. This is a whole different skill set of what I've got to learn. And I really love it. I I think that's great. I think that keeps you young. And you're going to find more and more older Americans going back to work for many reasons. But I think it drives well-being for those who really don't need the money but appreciate getting the paycheck. You know what I've also noticed for a lot of them? Their grandchildren, teens, are noticing that their grandparents are going back to work and asking questions like, Grandma, Grandpa, why are you working? Shouldn't you not be working? And they're like getting an appreciation of working longer for certain reasons. Yeah. So I've noticed this dynamic that's happening between grandkids and uh, grand, uh, and you know, grandparents that when it comes to work, it's a big shift in mindset. Yeah. And, you know, as people, yeah. you know, we talked a little bit the other day about how people are, you know, there's somebody on this earth who's going to live to 120 and how financial <laughs> planning is going to change considerably. Right. And everybody on YouTube's like, what? You know, life expectancy is going down. And, and yes, right now, look, there's a lot of people well, out people, there. People are living longer unhealthy. Correct. That's the tough part. But if you can do it right, that's right. Yes, there's people that will eventually be living to 120, and not only that, but doing it healthy. That'll be amazing. That would um, be amazing. I don't want to be here for that's that. That's a long time. Yeah. F that thing. I'm not doing that. <laughs> I don't want to be some shriveled raisin walking around at 120. I mean, I, I, I don't, because no matter how young you are and, and hard, I mean, things are breaking down, man. I, you know, but. Who knows what the future looks like, right? Yeah. Well, and, and that's right. But how many people as well where maybe their financial plan works well, mm-hmm. 
but it's kind of supercharged to go back to work for a year or two. Yeah. I mean, the, well, they transition, right? Correct. Especially men who just don't retire cold. Well, you, you either consult. I mean, we see a lot of that where we have a lot of people that retire. They go back to doing contract work, consulting. Um, you also see where maybe it is something where it's more purposeful, something you do enjoy. It's a different career um, or, you know, it's just charity work. But anytime you're getting paid, though, that changes the dynamic of a plan substantially, even if it's just six months or a year. I mean, we see that the longevity change quite a bit, which I think is really helpful. Yes, absolutely. So a good advisor, because someone just said here, hey, I hire an advisor. Who, who said that? Somebody said a good, cool comment on there. Said, I hire an advisor because when I hired my friends in college to do my homework because I wanted to go out and drink. So why wouldn't I hire an advisor to take over certain things for me yeah. and then I'll grade them? But here's the point on the grade. How do you grade your advisor? That's such an important question. If you grade your advisor just on the performance of against an index... That's tough because that's not a relationship and you might have a blended portfolio. So you might have stocks and bonds and that model might have outperformed for you. In other words, you're, you know, you're up 4%, S&P's up 20. Wait a minute, what? Well, but that's what a blended model does. And if you're retired or close to retirement, no one's going to place you 100% in stocks unless you have 100% of your income coming in from guaranteed inflation adjusted and that this is cake this is all icing on the cake and this is a legacy asset i have a legacy asset for my grandchildren i want it to be 100% stocks okay i can buy it we're talking about multiple life expectancies generations but most retirees are not going to handle or should they handle 100% in the stock market. So if you're judging your advisor, and, and guess what? Some advisors should be graded that way because that's all they offer. If that's all they offer, that's fine. If they're not looking at your situation holistically, makes sense. This is what you do. This is how I'm grading you. So create the report card for the type of advisor you hire because they're not all the same. I think that's a good point. Um, so what would, that, what would be in that report card? I mean, and it depends on what you're doing. I mean, that's the other caveat that you just mentioned is that if you have somebody that's strictly a broker, strictly buying you stocks, that's it. Then yes. what is your, what's the benchmark there? Or if they're managing strictly a growth portfolio, is it the benchmark at that point? And right. which benchmark is it, right? There's so many out there. Yeah, you're just going to compare it to the S&P and I have all small cap stocks or you know, you better compare apples to apples. Even Correct. if you do have a guy or, or a gal who's just going to be doing stocks and bonds for you or a team, you, you better make sure you really are linking apples to apples. Yeah, that's right. So, so do you need to, if, if you have somebody who holistic, ideally it needs to be, you know, are you doing financial planning? What does that look like and what does that incorporate? Is it, you know, do they talk about Social Security? Mm. What about helping with Medicare once you reach 65? A big, big component. Yep. Have they helped you as you're growing assets do they help look at employer benefits or benefits for your company? Mm -hmm. um, do they planning. look at ways to not only save you money today, uh -huh. but save you money tomorrow? Yep. And I think that's a big, big component now. We're beginning to see, I mean, I feel like you and I have done this for, forever doing it that way, but I, I think the industry is kind of coming Moving around much yeah, better. I agree, Danny, especially um, now that the CFP board's actually starting to do studies on it. 
I just printed out the white paper that I need yep. to read. So that's important. Holistic health. Your, your advisor in the future is going to be a health advisor as well as a wealth advisor because they're, you cannot separate them. You just can't. They are linked together. If I am unhealthy, then I'm going to have an unhealthy retirement. And my money is going to go in a totally different direction than where I want it to be. So, And lifestyle, not just genetics. Genetics are a small percentage of it. Lifestyle. Your lifestyle in retirement, how you do things, how you eat, how active you are, how social you are, is going to affect your money. There is no getting around that. At all. And for people who tell me that they know what age they're going to die, what magic eight ball do you got over there? Because I don't have that one. You know, that, that would make our job so much easier. It though. should. Yeah, really oh, would. man. You knew when you were going to die. Oh, you plan it right to there. And especially for it. the person who wants to, you know, step in the grave with a dollar, which we hear that quite a bit, too. Yeah. And that's a whole different type of planning. But, you know, I do think it's that's a really valid point is that how do you grade somebody and what are you looking for? Right. And that was a great comment. I liked, who, who was that, Scott? Was that Scott Silver? Who, whoever did that comment was a great comment. Just know the report card. Speaking of comments, if you're not already, go to the YouTube channel, The Real Investment Show. Got a bunch of crazies Subscribe. on there. Like the page, please. And somebody in Seaverville who goes to that one in Tennessee making me very jealous going to Bucky's. Yeah, we're going to have to get a um, an update on the proper pronunciation of that stand. Yeah. Send us that. I always call it Zuville because I don't know. Lance, back on Monday. We love you guys. Have a great weekend.